0: This is Wrestling for the Faith, a weekly podcast celebrating faith, family, and wrestling. And now, here are your hosts, Casey Cage and WWE's Jackson Riker, Chad Lale. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I am Casey Cage.
1: I am Jackson Riker. <laughs> oh, we changed it up a little bit. Change it up, Chad Lell. You guys know me, yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, how we been doing this week? It's been good. It's been a good week, man. We're, we're amping up. Me and the wife's gonna do a little date night coming up soon, and uh, dude, just uh, staying busy, ready for some live events coming up in October. I believe they're gonna do a big. Brand Split, Raw and SmackDown are going to kind of do their own separate uh, house shows. So I might be on the road a little bit more, but I'm yes. excited about it, man. I'm ready for the uh, the fall season. I don't know about you, but dude, I'm oh, ready definitely. for the weather change. Yeah, we're, we're needing it. we need it around here, but all is well.
0: Yeah. For the last couple of days here, it's been around
1: 80, so it's not been horrible, but I would yeah. like it to come on down about 70. Yeah, you're like me. I can go with 70 and then 40s in the night, but once it gets any colder than that, I'm like, no, oh, no, no, we need to heat up a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I've, a fall always, guy. I've
0: always <laughs> told but I'm a I'm a fall and spring guy too. I've always told people, I wish the Lord would let me have control of the dial. Yeah. Because like from the end of September until January when hunting season ends. So during this few month period during hunting season. I would have it at about 40 and then about 30 when I'm sitting in the tree stand and then, then 70 the rest of the year, except maybe when I'm camping and want to go jump in the river, I'll bump it up to about 95. Oh yeah, dude for sure.
1: Yeah. If you're at the beach, of course you want it a little bit warmer if you're camping or something like that. My brother lives him and his wife and, and son, they had a, uh, a house kind of fall through. Some things happen. So he goes, you know what I'm gonna do? He goes, we're just gonna buy us a camper and live in this camper for a while, save our money, and get the house we want. So, dude, I mean, my brother's, you know, he's 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 an old country boy like me. I'm not like, dude, no, nah, I can't do all that. But he's they live in a they live in a camper somewhere in Lexington, North Carolina, man. And I asked him how he's doing, and you know, it's all about perspective. And my right. brother, to him, dude, some people they couldn't take that, but my brother, he's just easygoing, uh, loves it. And I told myself I need to come up here and, and camp with you sometime. So we're gonna get up there and before it gets too cold and hang out with them. Yeah,
0: yeah, man. That's that's the life for some people. I don't I don't mind it at all. I could uh, I could completely go off in uh, in the woods and stay there with no internet, no TV, no anything. I could just kick back and be you know little house on the prairie for a while. I would love it.
1: I don't mind camping at all, but I uh, in the Marine Corps, dude. I stayed in tents long enough. I say like, I will never stay in another tent the day of my life.
0: <laughs> all right. So last week we uh, were in Acts chapter eight, and we've just got a couple of things to kind of touch on to wrap this chapter up. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me is a chapter eight and verse twenty-six. Um, it says. Let's, uh, let's see. Yes. It says now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying arise and go toward the South along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay. He just told him to get up and go South. Right. So many times throughout the Bible. And I, I think Abraham is always the one that I have always used the example. Uh, but so many times throughout the scriptures, we see where God tells people to do things and he don't tell them the other side. He don't give them the outcome. He don't say, Hey, go over here. And, and sometimes he does, as we'll see in chapter nine, but a lot of times he don't say, okay, this is step one. This is step two. This is three. He says, get up and go. And, You get up
1: and go by faith, and and He leads you. You ever wondered, like, so I wrote I wrote some stuff down, down about that. It's funny you mentioned that verse right off the bat because uh, it it's He He tells Philip to get up and go. So we see something about Philip's obedience. And I thought instantly when I was reading that, like you said, with Abraham and those, He would tell him just to get up and go, uh, and not tell him where. But it's like, but with with someone like Jonah, where God called him to go to Nineveh. Um, Jonah knew where he had to go. He knew what he wanted to do. And what did he do? He fled. He's like, no way I'm not yeah. doing that. So sometimes maybe that's like, you know, God's way of saying, Hey, just get up and go. Cause if I tell you where you're going to go or what you're going to go through, you're not going to do it. You know what exactly. I mean? And so I thought about Jonah in that. And I thought about Philip's obedience and the fruit of his obedience of, of you know, him spreading the gospel and all this stuff. And ultimately Jonah in the end ended up you know, fulfilling what God had wanted him to do. But it is funny because, I mean, there's something there that will God, even in our lives, man, you know, will tell us get up and go or um, make a lateral move out of a job that you're comfortable with or move. I got a buddy, my buddy uh, that that lives in Florida who was youth pastor for a church. Well, recently he just left uh, to start planning his own church and he doesn't he's still in prayer about where it's going to be. And it's a scary moment for him right now because he has a wife, he has two kids, he's still got to support them. And the, you know, his ministry is his support. So it's one of those things where we have to be obedient to God, especially when you feel the Holy spirit leading you, it's like, okay, well, you're not going to be led in the wrong direction. If you, if you know that it's God calling you out.
0: Exactly. And and I'll speak to that. Uh, there've been times in my life where I have stepped out on faith and done what I felt like the Lord was telling me to do. There was a time, uh, you know, I had, uh, a good job and I felt the Lord telling me quit. Yeah. And you know, it was like, Whoa, you know, uh-huh. that's going to be a lot of money missing, you know? Um, yeah. and, and I, I did, and I spent like months at home, Um. And just praying and studying and reading and, and just being filled. And for a long time, I look back at that and I'm like, what happened? Why did I, why did that happen? And s- some people might would look at that and say, oh, well, you missed it there. You know, you missed God. That, that wasn't really God telling you that, but I can look back and see the steps that he took me through. Yeah. I can see that during that time that I had quit and was just staying at home and focused on him, uh, he built me up for some things to come. And, and so I look back and I can see how it was all a laid out plan, even though to most normal people, who's just looking through their natural eye, they're like, Mm -hmm. ah, God told you to quit your job. And, uh, yeah the doors ain't flying open for you to preach in churches or anything like that so what's what's going on here you know yeah, you must yeah, have yeah. missed him but i can see where god took that and he used it to build me and strengthen me so uh, don't don't feel like uh if you have stepped out on faith don't feel like you have missed god if you don't feel like
1: Things are going exactly like you thought they were going to go. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And, you know, you can see in the gospels, Jesus' ministry. I mean, he always called people out of their comfort zones. He always told them to go and share the gospel. What, you know, Kind of like when he cast the uh, the demons um, out of the man into the herd of pigs. He said, go share. Because the man wanted to go with with Jesus. Jesus said, no, go share and tell everybody about what I've done for you. And uh, we just see things like that throughout. I mean, all of the New Testament, even throughout the whole Bible, man, of just God calling people out of their comfort zone to go and, uh, you know, whether it share the gospel or whatever it is to, to heal the sick, to, you know, all these things, man. We see this now with Philip.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so he gets up and he goes and he comes across this Ethiopian man, uh, who, a powerful Ethiopian man, and the man is reading, Um, a piece of Isaiah and the uh, picking up in verse 32, it says the place in scripture, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation. His justice was taken away and who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And this is a prophecy about Jesus. And so Philip begins to tell this man, you know, he asked him first, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian man says, well, how can I? So Philip, uh, that door is kicked wide
1: open and he begins to preach Jesus to him. What's great? What's pretty cool to me too, and I just thought about it, man. Is, is you can go through the Old Testament, and there's so many times that the prophets are uh, speaking about the coming of Christ, the you know the resurrection, the death, all these things about Jesus, the Messiah. Um, it all points to Jesus, you know. And so, for this Ethiopian to be reading, uh, I believe it was Isaiah 53. So we can, you know, if anybody listening wants to go read Isaiah 53. Um, he's reading this and we don't know if this Ethiopian obviously is not because Philip asked him, do you know about who you're reading or, you know, who have you reading about? And he says, no, how can I let someone tell them? Well, obviously this Ethiopian did not ever experience Jesus in person, his ministry, but by reading the Old Testament, he was, his heart, I guess, was, you know, set on fire opened up to the gospel, you know, right off the bat. So he was curious about what, who this was about and God led him to Philip so that Philip could introduce him to Jesus. So it's so cool to see because, you know, you got so many old Testament prophets and stuff like that, where it it leads to Jesus. Um, So just to see like how the word is alive and working through someone's life, um, you know, just like it was with that Ethiopian. Amen.
0: And so, you know, he's preaching Jesus to him, and it says in verse 36, now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Verse 37 is important. Then Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. See, if you believe with all of your heart, we've talked about this before. Um, you can be uh, dunked in water as many times as you want to. It, it, you can be dunked in water at a Baptist church, at a church of God, at a church of Christ, at, at the pond, at the at the lake, wherever you want. You can be dunked underwater, and that does not save you. But believing with your whole heart. That is what saves you, believing in who Jesus is and what he has done. Hey Amen. It's just that,
1: just this, you know, this little story of the the Ethiopian eunuch who I, I did some reading, uh, a little bit of studying. I guess he had traveled 1,200 miles to worship this God, you know, God of Israel, and to experience and learn who Jesus was. And it's just amazing how God brought Philip into the same area once he called Philip out and Philip was obedient. And in return, we see that with Philip's obedience, he shares the message to an Ethiopian who obviously is going to go back to where he's from, his land, and start sharing the gospel there. So uh, it's just another thing of that word we talked about last week, scattered, or that seed was scattered, you know, that wind, that Holy Spirit wind uh, yes. scatter this seed throughout the region, man. And, and this Ethiopian, obviously I guarantee, you, you know, he shared the gospel in his, in his home country and, uh, just continue. Jesus continued to grow and grow and grow. Amen. Now you would figure that,
0: uh, you know, maybe Philip would take this guy under his wing, that he would disciple him.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but verse verse 39 says, Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Yeah. So that the eunuch mm-hmm. saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azatos, I guess that's how you say that. And passing yeah. through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Yep. So the spirit catches, catches him away, I guess, uh, kind of one of those situations, uh, you know, like we uh, Enoch and Elijah, who were, you know, translated. Uh, I guess they were translated straight to heaven, but um, Philip, he was translated over to another region just to begin preaching again.
1: He was an evangelist, bro. He was one of the first. I think we talked about uh Stephen may have been one of the first evangelists, or Philip was one of the first evangelists. I can't remember. But as we see, like he, he was going into different areas. He wasn't sitting in one spot, man, and God was calling him. The Holy Spirit was leading him to go and just continue to share this gospel. He had somebody that was obedient. Um, and, and that's really how we should live our lives, dude. God calls you out calls you out of your comfort zone. Sometimes it's hard pill to swallow, but um, you know, when you're obedient, he's gonna he can trust you with the small things. He's going to continue to give you more.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. So we'll move into chapter nine. And this is uh one that I've been waiting on. This is, uh, I've always had a special place in my heart for this chapter. Uh, yeah. it's always done something to me. So, uh, verse one, it says, then Saul, now we remember who Saul was, um, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, that's what early Christians were called, uh, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem and he journeyed. And as he journeyed, he came near and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. (laughs) I looked up, uh, I looked up something there in, uh, Verse five, it's always, it's always, uh, been one of those things that stuck out to me, A kick against the goad. Some translations say kick against the pricks. Uh, you're reading mm-hmm. the ESV, I believe. What
1: does it say? So out of verse five, it says, uh, yes. uh, and he said, who are you Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Uh, then verse six says, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. So mine doesn't really, you Oh, know, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, some different translations there.
0: Yeah, so I looked up the uh, kicking against against the pricks or against the goads. Uh, It it says, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks was a Greek proverb, but it was also familiar to Jews and anyone who made a living in agriculture. An Mm. ox goad was a stick with a pointed piece of iron on its tip used to prod the oxen while plowing. Right. The farmer would prick the animal to steer it in the right direction. Sometimes the animal would rebel by kicking out at the prick, and this would result in the prick being driven even further into its flesh. In essence, the more the ox rebelled, the more it suffered. Wow. In Jesus's words on the road to Damascus, it is hard for you to kick against the prick so basically he was telling Saul and he's he's telling all of us the more you rebel the more trouble you're
1: causing yourself sure you living your life in sin you just continue to yeah i mean it's so true man dude that's crazy i need to look up my pull out my kjv and uh, <laughs> is that what you're reading out of kjv uh, i'm i'm it's the new king james Okay, okay. I need to look that up. I'm I'm curious to uh study a little bit more about that. But uh isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. <laughs> wow. Wow. <clears throat> and so, then you go uh, on, yeah, you go on to see how how Saul's used by Jesus by uh obviously submitting pretty much um you know confessing him as Lord as his Lord and Savior. And it just, it's, it's, you know, obviously two lessons there. We can either rebel, which you and I obviously can sit here and talk our testimony all day long, like we've spoken of before, uh, and see that um, our rebellion are kicking against the, uh, what did you say kicking against the what? The goads? The pricks or the goads. The G-O-A-D. Yeah. Okay, we can see how it led us str- or you know, we just, bro, we're just rebellious and things continue to spiral out of control. Or once we truly submit to Jesus, like Saul did, um, how our life can be radically changed. Amen. Yeah, so it it's, it's a pretty
0: amazing story to read. Uh, I'd like for the listeners to go through and read this whole chapter. Um, yeah. But... So Saul fell to the ground with a bright light shining around him, and he talks to Jesus. Okay, so in verse 10, it says, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Yeah, it's now we just saw with Philip, he he told him, get up and go south. Sure. Didn't give him anything else. Yep. With, with Ananias, he gives him step-by-step instructions of who he's <laughs> supposed to be going to see. And this yeah. is one of those cases where if Ananias hadn't have been so obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, uh, this was one of those cases where he could have turned and ran because <laughs> in verse 13, Ananias answered, and said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Yeah, dude.
1: You got to imagine the fear of uh, Ananias there as, as we see in verse 13. Uh, once again, you touched on Philip. The Lord said, just go. But he told Ananias where he was to go. And in my mind, I'm thinking that's like today's time where the Lord calling a certain evangelist or a certain mission team or whatnot go into Afghanistan. and continue to preach the gospel. You're instantly going to go, man, I may die. You know what I mean? I, I have, may have to give my life for the gospel. Um, so that's gotta be what Ananias was thinking. Cause he's thinking if I go up to this Saul of Tarsus who already knows persecuted Christians and been killing them, like, what is he going to do to me? You know? Um, so he, he's probably instantly thinking, well, I'm going to be obedient. I'm willing to die for this Christ. Um, but <clears throat> the Lord gives him direct instructions, man. Another thing I like to think about is how God told him that he was going to use Saul for mighty, mighty things. As we see, we see that Saul wrote, what, two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, yeah. That's just amazing to think about, like anybody listening right now, including us sitting here speaking, that God can't possibly use you because you're a, a former or even an addict right now or because you've think that some of the sin you lived in your life, God can't possibly use you or love you or anything, man, if you just get into the word and captivated by Saul um, and how the Lord used this man um, to continue to share the gospel and to write practically the new Testament, uh, it just gives me hope as a center of how powerful uh, Jesus' love is for us. That's exactly
0: right. And, you know, to, uh, not to jump over anything, but you know, Ananias did what did what the Lord told him, and he comes to Saul and he tells him, uh, "I'm here that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit." So that the bright light when when Saul had that Damascus road experience, it uh, it blinded him. And so for three days, it said that he, he had no sight and he didn't eat. And so he just prayed the whole time and no doubt getting to know the Lord. So he, Ananias went and he laid his hands on Saul, prayed for him. And it says scales fell from his eyes. And then he was baptized. And he received food and was strengthened. And verse 20, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. So we see the beginning of this chapter says, then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And then by verse 20, we're halfway through this chapter and he is (laughs) preaching Jesus. That's an awesome testimony.
1: Dude, possibly one of the, the, I mean, I heard a testimony, I believe it was yesterday. I was listening to a sermon and it kind of reminded me of this story of Saul, which I'm glad we're touching on today. It was just a man about a man that was demon possessed and, you know, he was worshiping, you know, the devil. He was a drug addict. He was all these things and he was radically saved because the pastor who started talking to him just started proclaiming the name of Jesus to him, and over and over and over again, and this man was radically saved, and ended up, you know, not necessarily ministering a church, but he's sharing the gospel. And I just I thought of Saul, you know, when when I hear things like that, of you know, just this, ah, just this, the powerful name of Christ, man, the powerful name of Jesus that we are so lucky to you know, have a, a complete Bible full of nothing, but who Jesus is, what he is to us. Um, and how just, you know, amazing his love is dude. And and I don't know, I can sit here and talk forever about it, but yeah, you're right, dude. You see that Saul beginning of chapter nine, still wreaking havoc, uh, ravaging these cities. But then by verse 20, he's sharing the name of Jesus and proclaiming it because he experienced it. dude. It was a real experience. You know what I mean? He experienced
0: Amen. the true risen Christ, which is great. That's, it is. It's so awesome. And it's it's a testimony. Like you said a minute ago, it does not matter who you are or what you have done. Uh, yeah. Jesus can change you. Jesus can save you. He wants to. He wants to have that relationship with you. There's so many people out there who think, you know, I've done too, too much, you know. I've done I've done too too many things that were just horrible. Uh you were talking about the Satanist worshiping the devil. A lot of people out there would say, i oh, you know, I I've I've been a Satanist. I don't I don't think uh, you know, Jesus would forgive me or uh the rapist or even the child molester, the murderers. We don't like talking about these things because uh, a lot of times we're thinking, no, those people deserve to go to hell. Uh, But if we try to put that on other people, uh, we better just stop and think and, and be so grateful for the love of Jesus that we didn't also get what we deserved.
1: Amen. Brother, you, you sin is sin. You know what I mean? Um, to, and but the name of jesus can wash all that sin away and you know it makes you it, it, it gives you salvation it gives you that that key to heaven uh the truth the life the way that jesus is and it doesn't matter what you are in right now or what you've done in the past like casey just said to hey if you're listening to this god has a plan for you if he's got a plan if he had a plan for saul um for all the things he had done man i'm telling you now that 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 the name of Jesus is more powerful than any of the stuff you've done or been through. Amen. Amen. So to wrap this
0: episode up, I would like Mm -hmm. to leave everybody with this question. Have you had your Damascus road experience? Yeah. Have you met Jesus yet? If not, (laughs) then feel free to reach out to me or Chad, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, uh, also, You can email us wrestlingforthefaith at gmail.com. We would love to talk to you, love
1: to pour into you and love to pray with you. Mm -hmm. Amen. I can definitely second that because there's, you know, I've been in a time in my life in my twenties where I question God, God, why is things like this happening? God, you know, why don't you love me? Lord, don't wake me up the next day. And and I look now at those prayers. I'm so thankful that he did not answer, um, because of just how he's been able to use me, use the platform he's given me. Um, so please, man, you, we, we we always put our emails out there, our social media pages. Um, reach out if you're curious of who Jesus is. You've had a bad experience in church. Uh, don't let that turn you away from from Christ, because you know what, um, we're all sinners, but uh, you know. God is true love, man. And then I'd love to share it with somebody.
0: Amen. All right, guys. Once again, thanks for joining us. We love you, and God bless you. You've been listening to Wrestling for the Faith. Follow Casey Cage on Twitter at RealCaseyCage. Follow Chad Lale on Twitter at
1: Jackson Riker WWE, And follow the show at Facebook.com slash Wrestling for the Faith.